Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. And with me today, back to the originals, Brandon Stevens is here. Brandon, say hello to the people. What's up, Jay? What's up, man? Uh, Ricardo's not with us today. I know he's been with us every time for the last couple months, uh, even when you weren't around, Brandon, but uh, he had some... Shout family out. business to attend to and uh Shout out you know, to we're, we're holding down the fort part of the live the walking in family yep absolutely we uh yeah we we appreciate him he'll be back next week i am sure i just couldn't do another another zoom call because it was just last crappy. week sounded terrible the audio was crappy yeah i almost made you guys redo it but dang yeah no didn't i mean work. it's Sometimes it's, you know, just you got to get it out there and if nobody can make it in, we got to, at least we have the technology with the capabilities to do that. Absolutely. I mean, your interview was via Zoom, wasn't it? It was, but it, I don't know why it sounds, the interviews sound good to me and like, well, I don't know. Well, that's good. I mean, the that's the most important Zoom, thing. Like that's having three people on Zoom, I think is tough. Yeah. You can't really like, especially if, um we're not all on the camera to like, I have had it on the single view. So you can't see when people are trying to speak, speak over them. Right. You know, it's like, so yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if uh, anybody can, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this now, if you could like, rate, share, review, all that good stuff, especially uh, on Spotify, because now they're, Spotify. they're offering ratings. They are it's Apple and, uh, Apple, and Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Apple and Spotify are the only places you can, uh, you can give us those good five-star reviews. Um, but yeah, Brandon, so uh, we're going back to the well this week. Um, I decided to reach out to Eddie and Chris Canales from the Gridiron Heroes that we had on uh, last year. Love those guys. Yeah, they're they're amazing, amazing people doing amazing work. And I just figured, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up um, this coming Sunday, that why not? go ahead and reach out, see what they have to say. I know basically the NFL doesn't acknowledge. So what the gridiron heroes, they help support kids that are injured playing high school football. They started out just in Texas and now they're kind of all over the country. Um, they help, you know, they, they're helping kids with, and their families with just, they, it started out just kind of like helping with their, with the knowledge of what, what's going to come, like what's next, like dealing with insurance companies for the families, things like that. Like, um, and then Chris, uh, so Eddie, the father would help the families understand what, what's happening. And then Chris, who was injured playing high school football in Texas helps, you know, talks to the kids, kind of helps counsel them on, on what they're going to be going through. And, um, yeah, they give out. So basically, what you're saying is, is uh, they basically deal with football injuries. Yeah, primarily. It's, yeah, it's primarily. And the NFL is the granddaddy of football. And yeah, and unfortunately, the NFL basically is scared. Uh, you know, you'll hear them talk about it. And yeah, interview. man, I mean, they're scared. Uh, of, they don't want. They don't want that. I it's mean, un- they don't, it's they don't unfortunate want that to image. acknowledge that football plays a part in that community. Um, the NFL is a, one of the largest institutions in the United States, Jeremy. I mean, yeah, you think that they would. <clears throat> it, it, their their propaganda machine is. I mean, yeah. they made a. They've they're not going to acknowledge concussions. They're not going to acknowledge domestic abuse. 
They're not on violence. They're not going to acknowledge <clears throat> that there's a problem with those things, right? They're right. not going to acknowledge that there's a problem with spinal cord injuries in tackle football. Yeah. So, I mean, why would they acknowledge uh, uh, Chris and Eddie, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just a shame, man. I think it's an opportunity that they could really help uh, help these kids and their families, uh, help change their lives. Yeah, I think the NFL is going to do it by their way is going to be like always the game's safe, right? Like right. we're doing all these things to make the game safe. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on how, tackling correctly right. and like those types of things. They're not going to acknowledge the problem after it happens. They're going to try to just brush it and make it appear better than it is, right? I yeah. mean, like who knows, um, especially with like CTE, how much of, of um, an impact football has on – uh, you know, potentially, um, I, we know that concussions can cause CTE, right? But we right. don't know, like, sometimes people might have had problems existing before that. And does, does football speed up that process? Mm-hmm. You know, like, do those concussions ex- exacerbate that? Like, well, obviously, with spinal cord injuries happening from football, those certainly exacerbate these problems, right? You know, there's no getting around that. Yeah. They can't. They can't deny that. So, yeah, football is a violent game, man. And um, the NFL is uh, all cuddly and warm on the yeah, outside. They wanna, Do they you know? Make the, yeah, they want to have a different image than what the reality is. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I plead with the NFL, you know, please help these guys out with what they're doing. I mean, they're providing wheelchair accessible vehicles and they're they're providing the money would wheelchairs. be nice because the, the nfl is worth hundreds billions. of billions yeah. of dollars i mean they're making billions of dollars a year <clears throat> i mean what the on these last do this last uh championship series i mean i think they're averaging numbers of like 50 million viewers yeah i mean that's like a quarter 25 like percent of pre- the country yeah their preseason games draw crazy numbers i mean it it's ridiculous. So man. all eyes are on them, but I, I wish they would do the right thing. I, I know why they don't. We all we should all know why they don't. Yeah. But, yeah, so Eddie and Chris and the Gridiron Heroes, they provide wheelchair accessible vehicles. They provide wheelchairs for kids. They, they help with uh, gift cards for to be able to go buy groceries. Just food. Just like put the, food on the table. Crazy um, essential. Like, and to know that – you know, dealing with insurances, we've talked about that how many times on this show, yeah. how um, frustrating it is to deal with insurance companies. Right. Right. And I mean, you, you know, like uh, we, and I talked about it in the interview that my dad had a stroke like yeah. a, a year and I, after. And, you know, I never thought, I never correlated those, but certainly. Like, yeah, he was because he was fighting with insurance companies. Stress every day. has a big, always has a big um, impact on, on people's health. It certainly does, right. man. And and maybe he was bearing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. And that's why I think that Eddie's, you know, he's just an advocate for these families and, and Chris is an advocate for the, for the kids that are getting injured. It's, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's too bad that they even have to do this. And there's not, you know, like when the NFL could, could easily just, you know, toss some throwaway money at these guys and it would be Dude, it would be there's so much there's know? so many there's so many issues that could be taken care of in our world for such a little amount of money I know. compared it's to crazy. like what people are making 
you know, like, and you think about um, some of the major problems, you know, like homelessness or, you know, right. cancers or paralysis, spinal cord injuries. Like you, you, if we threw a hundred billion dollars at it, like we did to make a COVID vaccine and. 10 months do you think that we couldn't find a cure for paralysis i'm pretty sure we could jeremy yeah i agree because if you just really focused all your resources on it yeah yeah it's true and then uh you know we i'm a huge fan brandon of the show friday night lights Mm -hmm. yeah i've watched a few seasons actually yeah and so the the young man in that show that is paralyzed jason street that story was basically like Chris and I think his dad as well helped write that script. Cool. We sat down with the writers because they, they became friends with Peter Berg, mm-hmm. who's the director, mm-hmm. um, writer of that show and, and of the movie Friday Night Lights. And so they got to, um, you know, that, that, that storyline is basically Chris's story. So um, just with some minor minor uh, tweaks because he was a he was a safety and a punter, not a quarterback, uh, but he was an all state I think punter and was on his way to go to college. And yeah, I just can't even fathom that because like I mean I played football in high school. I wasn't that good, obviously not good enough to go to college or anything. But I couldn't imagine like being on my way to go to college in the mm-hmm. last game of my senior year, breaking my neck and having everything ripped away and. It's, uh, you know, it, it's it, overcoming that, I think, and, and being able to give back so much to the spinal cord injury community is just a, a beautiful thing. Well, um, I'd like to touch on a lot of what they talked about, but I don't want to ruin the interview. Right. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to this interview and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on the other side. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, I am super excited to visit with Eddie and Chris Canales, who are a father and son duo and the founders of the Gridiron Heroes Spinal Cord Injury Foundation. Uh, Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for for coming back on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Appreciate you having us on. No, I'm I'm so happy to do it. You know, I know that we, uh, we had talked last year, basically at the same time, you know, kind of the week before. Uh, before the Super Bowl and I just thought you know you guys have such an amazing foundation and you know what what you're doing for for people for kids and families of uh, of those kids that are getting injured playing uh, high school football um, yeah I just thought what better time to have you guys back on so so thank you so much for for coming on and um, you know, Chris, I wanted to, you know, for anybody who maybe didn't hear our last conversation or doesn't know your story, can you give us, you know, a little overview of kind of how you were injured and, and where that led and, and how you guys got here to, to the Gridiron Heroes? Yeah, so uh, my injury happened my senior year of high school. Um, it was actually really, really bad timing. It was the, uh, our last home game. We had to win this home, uh, game to go to the playoffs. And it was about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, I made a uh, touchdown saving tackle, but with that, I, uh, I broke my neck. Um, so, I mean, it, it happens, you know, it's, um, I was a all district defensive back and all state punter. So I had scholarships to play and um, at the next level. And with, with me breaking my neck, I mean, everything was just taken away. 
Um, but you know, I mean, life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, t- tell, I guess the story of kind of, I know I watched, um, I watched the video that I think Eddie, you sent me out uh, kind of a, a box full of all kinds of goodies uh, with the, the, uh, the documentary about the gridiron heroes foundation, which was incredible. And then a, you know, a hoodie and you guys have your shirts on. I like, uh, mine's in the dirty clothes. I wear it. I do wear it all the time. So, um, I, I didn't time that out very well, but, uh, yeah. yeah um, you know, talk about, I, I know, cause I know that you talk, you know, in the documentary, Chris, and, and on some other videos I've seen of you about how, you know, you're dealing with depression, which a lot of us deal with after a spinal cord injury. And then, you know, talk about how your dad, you know, kind of got you out of the house and then, then kind of subsequently what happened and how, how you guys started the foundation or came up with the idea. Yeah. So, like I said, I was a, uh, all district defensive back and all state punter and I had scholarships to play at the next level at college and everything taken away, um, a year to the date of my injury. I, I mean, I, I really hit the depression. Um, I was, I guess, self-pitting. I was still in a wheelchair. I, I wasn't walking. I wasn't playing again. And um, my dad saw that, and he um, he decided to take me to a uh, high school game. It's the first high school game I've been to since my injury. And um, it was a state championship game here in San Antonio. And at that game, we witnessed another guy go down by the name of Corey Forbright. And when I saw him go down, my dad and I looked at each other. We automatically knew um, that he was probably going to be paralyzed. And that's when I turned to him and I told him, I want to go help him because I went through this injury alone. I knew what he was going to go through. I didn't want him to go through it alone. I wanted him to have somebody to talk to. My dad knew what the family was going to go through. So um, that that night we actually, uh, after the game, we, uh, we went to the hospital to see if we can at least go talk to him and let him know what's going to happen, you know, down the road and, see if we could be of any help. That's how basically Gridiron Heroes started. Well, that, yep. that's, uh, that's amazing that you guys were able to kind of, you know, get, because, I mean, it, it's grief for the family too. I'm sure, Eddie, you you and your yeah. wife were dealing with a lot. Um, yeah. But for yeah. you guys to be able to, you know, kind of, you know, take you know, take a step back from that and, and say, you know, let, let's go help these, these other families, um, that, that's pretty heroic. Uh, and I know well, usually, oh, go ahead. You know, usually the first two years are, are some of the toughest years for the family, especially that first year. You know, you, you don't really see that light at the end of the tunnel that first year as a caregiver and as parents, you know, you, you, uh, you see how your son is struggling and how, uh, how things have changed, not only for that, you know, your son, but also uh, for the family itself. And so, um, you know, it is a very costly injury that a lot of people don't realize you know, when we talk about the cost of a, a, a wheelchair, uh, a power wheelchair, or a, a wheelchair accessible vehicle, uh, people sometimes don't realize the cost involved with that. You know, we've had to deal with some of those things with with trying to help some of our families and, and trying to get, you know, th- those type of equipment that Medicaid or insurance won't pay for, you know, so uh, yeah. it is uh, life changing. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, and w- I guess when did the so you guys say let's go visit um, this this young man who got injured um, a year after you got injured, Chris? And then where where did it turn to kind of like hey we need to help support these families 
and you know help with wheel um, with, with power wheelchairs and help with wheelchair accessible accessible vehicles and things like that. Well, basically, for like for me, um, knowing what we went through, um, well, I knew uh, my dad like just within the first uh, year was always on the phone with his insurance arguing about the equipment I needed and couldn't get because the insurance wouldn't pay for it. Um, but we knew how hard it was going to be for him. Um, we didn't know if his school had a catastrophic uh, insurance. My school only had a, a $10,000 policy, so which is nothing. Um, so we knew how hard it was going to be for the family and to fight for what they needed and what uh, we knew how to basically from our experience help them. But I mean, it also helped me with my depression, being able to talk to somebody. I stopped thinking about myself and thought about others. And so for me, um, helping others has helped me with my depression. Yeah, that's the that same uh, thing with me with helping uh, the families. You know, we, we talked about when we get a call, we'll go and visit with the families, either there at the ICU or with the uh, or when they go to rehab. But the, a lot of times, you know, unless you've been through it, there's a lot of paperwork and things like that. Uh, knowing who your case manager is, how that, you know, how that works. Uh, you know, I've been into a situation where, you know, the parents didn't know who their case manager was and um, that, that case manager wasn't doing their job, you know. So uh, trying to guide the families and making sure all these things are taken care of, uh, you don't know unless you've been through it. And so uh, that was kind of like the major step just to be there to make sure that the family understands that they're not in this by themselves. You know, other folks have gone through this. Um, you know, we're here to help them and guide them. But as we know the severity of the injury, then we can go back to that school and kind of guide them on how best to help that family. And then uh, from there, you know, there's always a little bit of help the first six months to a year, then it kind of dies out. But then when that's, that young man graduates from high school, then there's no more help. And that's where we come back into play again with the, with the families and, and helping them. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible work you guys are doing. You know, I know, so I got injured when I was in high school in a car accident, not in a, in a football accident. But, um, you know, I, I know my dad, like, like you said, Chris, your dad being stuck on the phone with insurance companies for hours at a time. And um, my dad actually ended up having, like, a, luckily, it was a minor stroke, but he had a stroke, probably a year or a little bit over a year after my accident. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of uh, you guys being able to provide that kind of, uh, I guess, blueprint for what people can look at dealing with going into this injury is super important. So, um, that's you know, there, there was a time I really kind of felt guilty because, you know, we, we, we concentrated on the kids that went down with spinal injuries. And then I had a, a parent call me that their son was not injured through football, but they said, you know, what you're doing is, is, is making a difference for uh, creating awareness for anybody that has suffered a spinal injury. And I know that, you know, you're working on with those kids are, that are playing football, but it does create an awareness all across the country for other people to understand what we, you know, at, you know, at the time as a parent saying what our families go through when someone goes down with a spinal injury, whether it was in football or not. Yeah. But I used to feel guilty about just concentrating strictly on, on football because I knew there were other kids. And, you know, the other thing, too, was we saw that there was a lot of, I, you know, in reality, there's a lot more money for research than there is to 
help the families with things that they need right away, uh, things where they're going to even have to fight with, with Medicaid or insurance to pay for. And so, you know, those are things that uh, we saw that there was a bigger need for as we were going through those things and having to, you know, deal with, you know, uh, the the shortfall and the the lack of support, long term support for the families. You know, we saw that we could we could help. And you know, initially it wasn't about raising money; it was more about just being there for the families, you know, and and guiding them. But as we you know started traveling this world of, of working with other families, uh, you know, we felt like we were blessed, even though we struggled. Uh, but there were some other situations that we ran into with our families that. Uh, that we, you know, worse so that we wanted to make sure that they didn't fall in between the cracks and they could get the help that they need. Yeah, that that's incredible that that uh, just the the amount of, of you know help that you're able to provide these families is incredible. I, I'm so uh, thankful that you guys are doing this, um, and I'm sure that you know I know Corey Borner I've had on the show before. I know he was one of the the kids that uh, benefited from from the Gridiron Heroes Foundation. He's an incredible young man. And uh, yes, yes. it seems like you guys are doing a lot of, uh, a lot of great work. Um, you know, I, I th I'm pretty sure it was last year when we spoke. And I think Eddie, you mentioned that the high percentage of football related spinal cord injuries are quadriplegics. So that's, you know, your high level. Um, and I, I had no idea, you know, you, you just, I didn't ever think of it, but uh, just that, I mean, that's got to add to the cost of it on top of, you know, now you need a power wheelchair instead of a manual in most cases, uh, things like that. So, uh, you know, well, you know, one of those power chairs that we had to do this for a young man that was injured when he was 16 and uh, he was still, you know, real young, but just because you break your neck doesn't mean you stop growing. Uh, after two years, he outgrew his chair. Again, the, the football players, so, you know, they were still growing. And so um, Medicaid and insurance, well, they stipulate you have to be in a wheelchair for five years before you get a new one. Right. So we went out and raised the money to get a wheelchair. And you know, he, he was a full quad, um, so he controlled that wheelchair by his head, his head basically. And it was a $45,000 piece of equipment. You know, it just, uh, again, people don't realize, you know, the van, a new van today costs $83,000. You know, and so, uh, you know, we've been fortunate. We've been able to buy some vans from like 55000 to 75000 But, uh, you know, a new one today costs $83,000. So uh, none of this is cheap. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know. Right. And, you know, and they mark up anything that's uh, in the medical field. It seems like they mark it up a, a huge amount. Like, I know you guys know that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was uh, watching back over over a little bit of the documentary and some YouTube videos that, that I saw about your guys' story. Um, Chris, I, I noticed, I, I heard your coach at the time when you were in high school, I heard him interviewed and he was talking about kind of the, the impact on you, you and your family, but also the impact on the other players on your team. And because on that play that you were injured on like three or four guys missed a tackle. And I guess another guy yeah. missed an assignment. And so you were kind of, you shouldn't even have really been in that position to have to make that tackle. Um, you know, do you still keep in touch with a lot of the kids from your team and um, from back then? And I know like a lot of people, you don't keep up with, with high school friends, you know, too long after, but um, is that something that you guys still have kind of a bond from, from that experience? 
Yeah, I mean, every now and then. Um, actually, uh, two of the guys who, uh, Mr. Tackle, actually went to uh, one of their weddings uh, this past October. But, um, yeah, I mean, every now and then we keep up. Um, we're trying to do a little better now, um, uh, staying in contact more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, man, they, they all felt guilty. They all blamed themselves for, for what happened. For me, I was the type of player as I, I see the ball, I go after it no matter where it is. So, I mean, I was everywhere anyway. Um, but yeah, a lot of the guys feel guilty, but not only them, but the, uh, the, the young man I tackled felt guilty. Uh, he blamed himself for my injury. And um, he, he went through a lot too. He had to go through some counseling and all that because he blamed himself. Um, and actually um, 15 years to the date of, our, my injury, um, I got to meet him for the first time. And um, we, we did a little uh, news story here in San Antonio about it. And um, I mean, he's a great young man. I always kept up with him. Um, he, uh, the college I went to, uh, one of the coaches there at the, for the football team ended up leaving there and playing, uh, went to Tulsa where uh, this young man was playing. And um, he ended up the, the coach was talking about me to some of the other coaches and he just happened to walk by and hear my name and uh, kind of brought everything back together. And, um, but yeah, I, I got to meet him 15 years later and still keep in contact. So. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So, you know, switching gears a little bit to like your guys's fundraising and things like that. I know, when we talked last year, it was kind of in the middle of COVID lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. And, and so you guys were like, you know, we're used to going to all these coaches conventions and things like that. And, and so you've been kind of stuck. Uh, how, how have things been this year? Like, are things ramping back up for you? Are you, you guys making, making some money uh, to, for fundraising purposes here? Well, finally, it's starting to get back. We're starting to get back into the swing of things, you know, uh, January opened up our, uh, attending the coaching clinics. And so we've been able to go to three of them already. And so, uh, you know, hopefully we can continue. Uh, we've got a couple of things. Uh, we partnered up with uh, a company called Laser Downs. If you've seen the yard markers that are lit up, those uh, uh, that company, Laser Downs, has uh, basically donated a, a, a marker. Those markers, they're like a $4,000 unit. And so at the uh, conventions or, or conferences that we go, uh, we're able to, to do a raffle. And so, you know, the coaches can buy a ticket and uh, we're going to raffle it off around February the 28th after we finish up, um, you know, the, uh, the coaching clinics. And so, um, you know, it'll raise a little bit of money for Gridiron Heroes. We're, you know, hoping that we'll be able to raise some money for it. So through that. But other than that, before that, I mean, it's just been tough. There, most nonprofits haven't been able to, you know, do any fundraisers and things like that. So like I said, we're just now really getting into the swing of things now. Yeah, no, that that's. Uh, I'm glad you guys are getting back to it. Um, and I did see, I guess, the University of Texas San Antonio. I saw the coach interviewed and talked a little bit about you guys and the foundation, which is cool. And they had an amazing, amazing year this year. So that's good to kind of get hit, you know, some uh, some publicity on it that way as well. Um, you know, and then I know I think that when we spoke last year. Um, pretty sure you guys mentioned that the, you know, the NFL uh, doesn't, you know, it seems like you guys do really well with like college coaches, things like that. But the NFL is, uh, this is kind of the dark side of the game. They don't want to talk about, um, 
you know, things like this happening? And, uh, you know, has that changed at all over the last year? You guys still not, not getting any, uh, any love from the NFL? It just seems crazy to me that they wouldn't, you know, want to, to support something like this to make life easier for, for kids that do end up getting injured. So, um, you know, talk about, it's not like, it's not like they don't know about us. They definitely know about us. I mean, we've been to some of the, um, hall of fame, uh, games and, and events there when some of the hall of fame stuff goes on and, uh, you know, sat at a table with some of the, you know, VPs from NFL. And so they know who we are, but, uh, trying to get the support, uh, from them has been, uh, you know, we've also been told they're scared of us. (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) that's too, that's too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you think that they would just embrace it because it's it's a part of the game. And, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but, um, you know, I still watch football quite a bit. And it feels like every week in either in college or in the NFL, there's a player getting carted off the field. Um, you know, whether a lot of times it turns out to be just like a, a concussion or something, maybe they were knocked out, um, which is still terrible and, and not good for for your long-term health, but, um, you know, it's like that, that always just makes me, you know, kind of makes my skin crawl every time I see a guy laid out on the field. Um, how does that make, how, how do you guys feel about that? Like what, what, what goes through your head, I guess, Chris, when you see a guy get laid out like that, does it trigger? It's hard to watch. Yeah. It's hard to watch, but we, we look for little signs. Um, we always look for kind of small little movements of hands, um, legs. Uh, just if he can move something, you know, it's um, not too serious. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to watch guys getting carted off. Um, but, I mean, it's part of the game, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you know, I, it's the same thing. I mean, that's one of the things that we, we kind of watch. We'll go because we'll, we'll actually, you know, we have friends that, that w- are watching a game. And then when something like that happens, you know, they'll call us or text us and, and ask, did you see the, the, the injury? And, you know, we are, we're made aware of it if we hadn't been watching the game. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it is tough to watch, but it's, it is, like Chris says, it's part of the game. We understand that. And, uh, but again, we, you know, if you're hurt on the collegiate level or the professional level, there are things in place to help them where that is not the case on the high school level. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more traumatic usually on a high school level because sometimes uh, there's never, you know, not a doctor there or there's not a trainer there, you know, uh, not all schools have trainers. Um, And so, you know, it it can become uh, very serious right away on a high school level. And, you know, you know, we talked about um, the NFL not wanting to do this. Well, you know, uh, it's just because they don't want to bring this to the forefront as something that can happen. Uh, but, you know, while we try to tell coaches and, and anybody that we talk to, we're, we're still a big proponent of the game. And all these kids that have been injured playing the game, they still love the game of football. All of them do. If you ask any one of them, would they play all over again, even knowing they could get hurt? They all say yes. And so, you know, we took a different route. We decided that we, you know, for me as a, as a parent, as a caregiver, um, you know, I'll get a single mom will come up to me and ask me why, how can you still support the game of football when you see your, your son in a chair, you know, from playing? And I try to tell the parents and I let the coaches know that um, I am a proponent of the game. I said, it's more than just the X's and O's. 
it's what what um, is instilled by in the kids by these coaches and by participating. The never quit attitude, the hard work and determination, the discipline that they need to fight for their lives to overcome an injury. I said that's instilled by playing, you know, by the coaches and by participating. And uh, you know, uh, we've seen other families where they have no participation in athletics and stuff, and um, they try to take a different way out, you know. And um, doctors, you know, a lot of times will like that athlete because they have a different mindset. But again, that comes from participating in the in the sport and listening to their coaches. And I can honestly say that without those tools that were provided uh, to Chris, that I don't think he would be here with me today. You know. So, because he was stubborn and he had a lot of fight in him, you know, so, uh, and he's still stubborn and has a lot of fight in him, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, earlier, Chris, you mentioned um, that your school had a catastrophic um, injury, I guess, insurance policy, but they would only paid out like $10,000. Do, have you seen now that you guys have been doing this for a while that more high schools are having one of these catastrophic injury um, insurance policies and are they getting like bigger as far as like how much they can pay to help a, a kid out or no in the state of texas it's not required to have uh, catastrophic policies so um there's some schools have them some don't um a majority don't it's based on i guess uh, how much uh how big the school is basically whether or not they can afford a catastrophic policy or whether they say they can afford a catastrophic policy. Now in other states, uh, uh, like in Illinois, uh, it's required for uh, schools after one of the young men that we helped out there, they created what they called uh, the uh, Rocky Law. Um, um, they ended up making sure that the uh, all schools carried, I think it was a minimum of a $3 million policy. And so, you know, they have to have that, uh, but not all states do that, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that seems like it would be a no-brainer to, uh, to have that in place just in case anything like this happens, because, you know, obviously it's happening every year and uh, all across the country. It's not, not picking, you know, it's not picking and choosing. Well, too, we're, we're getting more uh, calls on traumatic brain injuries as well, you know, so um, it, it's, it still happens. I mean, just just we need to be able to face the truth that, you know, the reality that it does happen. And, you know, there are times when we go to coaching clinics and uh, coaches will see Chris and they walk the other way. Or I've had a coach that, you know, I try to pass out a brochure. He says, I know it happens. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to understand it. And, you know, or just walk by and says, I don't need that. I don't, I don't want to even think about it. And so, you know, we still have coaches that are um, don't want to face the reality that something like this can happen. Never mind that these young men, if they do get hurt, they'll you know they'll have to call us. And and we've had some few coaches that say, well, we've known about you guys and we've never really done anything for you guys, but we need your help. And uh, you know, we'll go and do what we do. That's that's a you know, you guys are, are selfless for sure. That's so amazing. Uh, you know, speaking of so the NFL, I, I know um, you guys still support football and kids playing football. Um, how do you do you guys watch a lot of NFL still, even though they're they're not really, you know, willing to help you guys at this point? Um, are you still supporters of the NFL? How do you feel about that? I know you're probably super busy during football season anyway, kind of going around to 
to you know doing your thing with the gridiron heroes so i don't know how much time you have to watch watch nfl football but um where where's your guys' support lie i guess for for the nfl at this point well we still watch i mean we yeah. still watch the game we do with during football season we're usually doing more with the uh, collegiate level uh we do a program we call heroes on the road where i get some sponsorships to to take our guys, you know, because we on the coaching clinics, a lot of times we get to meet a lot of the division one college coaches. So, you know, we, we get to meet them. And so they invite, they invite us to bring some of the guys to the, to the game. So uh, I create a program called heroes on the road where we get some sponsors to help us take the guys to a football game and get them out of the house, uh, you know, um, have a little camaraderie. And then uh, also at the same time, it gives us the opportunity to better understand how we can help those families. And again, you know, this is the long-term support. It's not something that we just, okay, do it one time and, and we're no longer there. Um, you know, one, I think one of the hardest things for us uh, with the COVID stuff was that uh, we used to send $100 a month in a form of a Walmart card, but we had to stop that program basically because we ran out of money. But I had enough money just to, to send uh, cards for Thanksgiving where I sent $100 in a, in a Walmart card. And then I sent uh, $200 for Christmas. And um, the, the thing was, is when you get a text message back from um, a family or, or, you know, someone that uh, says, thank you for allowing us to put food on our table, man, you know, that, that hits home, that hurts. You, you want to do more. Yeah. You know, some of our families are struggling. And, you know, I kind of like, in a sense, want coaches and folks to understand that what people are going through with COVID, we've had to go through this in a sense. Uh, the majority of our kids had to fight to get off a ventilator. Um, they know what it's like to lose an income. Someone in a family will have uh, have to become a caregiver where they have to quit a job, lose a job to become a caregiver. So you have a loss of income. Um, you know, they know Being what isolated. it's about isolation, you know, from this and, and being away from the team, um, not being around, you know, the guys and their friends. So, I mean, these are some of the things that, a lot of us as a family and, and the individuals that have been hurt had to go through before COVID even hit. So put COVID on top of that for these families. Some of our families are really struggling uh, out there right now. We also have a lot of single parents, so yeah. single moms taking care of their sons. So it's, it's been really, really tough. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get, get some shine a little light and get, get some people to donate uh, to your guys' foundation. Um, how many kids are, are you, how many, how many young men ha, have you guys affected at this point? How many are, are involved in, in the Gridiron Heroes program? Do you in have Texas, yeah, in Texas, we've had 40 kids, 40 families that we work with. And again, uh, all of these families we keep up with, uh, even the ones where we've had, you know, some of the families that have passed away, I keep up with those families. And if I can have some funds for the Christmas, you know, gift cards and stuff, I send it to those families too, because to me, they're, our family now, they're part of our family. Um, nationwide, you know, we've reached out to probably over uh, 75 different people. We have some that are very close with ours. You know, we have several in California, we have uh, two in, in Tennessee, we have some in Florida, um, some in New Jersey as well. Um, but, you know, there are several of them that we've been able to keep up with and, and keep in contact with. But, um, you know, we try to do what we can, especially when we get a call from out of state um, you know, we, we need more support from outside, you know, the state of Texas, of course, but 
uh, so that we can do more for some of those families. But yeah, we keep we include those. I mean, that we can keep up with, and they want to keep up with us. So you know, we'll keep up with them. Yeah, yeah. That uh, it just it breaks my heart that the NFL won't won't help you guys. That you know, this seems like such a no brainer with the amount of money they make every year that they could you know peel a lot off a little bit to help the families of these kids. Um, you know. What is, do you think there's a way that we can, you know, I know the NFL a couple years ago uh, with their new collective bargaining agreement put in place where there's a lot less like physical hitting in practices, um, especially during the season, like their, their off season training stuff is really um, pretty minimal, uh, minimal contact. How do we, lower I, I know that there's no way to completely get rid of the risk of a spinal cord injury playing football but how do you um you know how do we reduce the risk and what what, what are your guys' thoughts on that i guess well then i think we've we have a, a pretty fair start to it in the sense that you know some of the the um regulations that they have as far as, um, you know, sparing taken out of the game now, uh, those helmet-to-helmet uh, -helmet hits. Uh, you know, at one time, those helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits were so over-sensationalized, uh, you know, in the media uh, as being, you know, the big hits, you know, they used to have programs, you know, those the, that over-sensationalized those hits. Well, not knowing, first of all, that the damage that that could do uh, to the individual uh, what's more prevalent is the the CTE, the awareness that uh, is now has been created for CTE through, you know, some of the movies that have been out there. With the one did with uh, with was done with Will Smith, uh, but you know, creating that awareness makes makes people a little bit aware of what you know why these regulations are in place, why those rule changes were made. Uh, you know, that's that's all good. I mean, it's still you're going to still get some of those that says, well, you know, it's like you know, making it real cystified or whatever you want to call it or, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's about those individuals that are playing and, and the safety, you know, we can still play the games, you know, being safe and it can still be just as violent. You know, there's still good hits. Uh, we're a big proponent of the, the original Heads Up program uh, that Bobby Hosea created. And so um, that program is, is, is the one that I think is better uh, for uh, the youth programs up to the high school level. Uh, now, you know, they've also implemented more uh, hawk style tackling, which was created by Pete Carroll uh, using rugby style tackling um, for the collegiate and professional athletes. I, you know, you know, I have no qualms teaching that type of program to the collegiate and professional athletes. I still am not a big proponent for uh, that type of program for our youth and uh, high school level, because we don't have the, the, the next strengths uh, to prevent the guys from, you know, on that level, the younger age to uh, prevent their heads from hitting their head, their ground, you know. So, right. whereas in high, in the collegiate level and professional level, that's the first thing they're they're, they're working on is strengthening up those neck muscles, you know, and uh, trying to uh, help them from knowing and learning how to fall, you know, so that they don't hit their head on the ground. You don't get that on the high school, you know, and below. So. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like the biggest difference. Yeah, I know that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so yeah, switching up gears here a little bit. I want to talk about Friday night lights. Um, I know uh, we, we 
talk. We covered it just very briefly on, on the last time, uh, you know, last year when we spoke. But yeah, so um, you know, Friday, how did this come about for you guys? Like, what? Um, I know Peter Berg is the is the I guess writer and and producer of that show. And um, how did you guys Later. come in contact with him? And and you know, I know that I, I think you said last time that that the the main character uh, Jason Street is loosely based on on your your story, uh, Chris. So how did that come come about, man? I, I got to hear this story. So basically, when Peter Berg was actually doing research for Friday Night Lights, the movie, um, he he was following a team in Texas uh, out of Austin, Westlake. Um, so he was um, at one of the playoff games and they were actually playing against uh, San Antonio Madison. And during that game, uh, one of the Madison players, David Edwards, got injured making a tackle and he broke his neck. And uh, so that affected Pete um, a lot. And the very next week, uh, he, the Austin Westlake team was playing in San Antonio at the Alamo uh, Dome. And we got to meet him that weekend. Um, since then, uh, he invited me to come out to the set, visit, um, go meet Billy Bob and Tim McGraw and all that. And so we, we went out to Austin and met with them. And then we went to, uh, the shoot in Midland, Texas. And from so, there, so that, that was when he was still filming the actual movie Friday Night Lights. Movie, yes. Okay. Yeah. And so from there, um, like Pete wanted to do more, um, to help. Gridiron Heroes, we were just, I think, what, six months old? Six months, yeah. <laughs> and oh, we wow. had just started when he, uh, when, when David Edwards went down and um, uh, so when we met Pete. So uh, he actually had an idea of doing a concert after the movie shoot. And so Billy Bob Thornton, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, and uh, Billy Bob ended up bringing uh, Dusty uh, Hill from ZZ Top and and uh, Alice Cooper, and they all did a jam session. And Tim McGraw did his thing, and man, his fans are crazy and loyal. And, I mean, it was great. I mean, he did all this to help Gridiron Heroes when we were just starting. And after that, he uh, when he told us he was going to do the, he was going to make the uh, movie into a TV show. Uh, he had us um, get with the writers, and because he wanted to put in the uh, what happened, kind of like my injury he uh he wanted to put in a uh, character that uh suffers spinal injury um so he had us work with the writers um just basically have me tell my story so when actually you see that first pilot episode of friday night lights jason street even though he played quarterback and i didn't but his injury was basically my story like how it happened when he made the hit how he kind of flipped and all that is basically uh my story that's uh that's incredible like what like what kind of feelings did you have when you when you saw the saw the show when i mean did you see it before it actually aired on tv or how uh no no that, that was a shocker we didn't know it was going to be the first episode we knew something was going to happen but we didn't know when um but yeah it was it was a shocker like especially the first episode but the way they uh they continued on with him is was really awesome um and scott porter is a great guy i mean 
kind of ask for a better player or person to to play him. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you what you thought of uh, Scott Porter's performance of of pulling off a, a spinal cord injured uh, individual. Yeah, uh, he did great. I mean, uh, what the research he did and just talking with us and all that, like, man, he did a great job. That's all. Yeah, and he, one of the I things pretty well too. One Sorry. of the things that we didn't know, um, you know, when uh, with Pete, why it affected him so much was that when Peter Berg was a actor coming up, uh, he had played the role of Dennis Burr, the paralyzed uh, Jets player in a movie role. And so uh, years later, he witnesses a spinal injury on the field when he's doing the research for the movie. And you know that's why it it really affected him because he already had an idea of what that young man was going to go through, and then us being able to meet with him, he said, "Well, I want to help. I want to be able to you know help both you know the young man and, and help Gridiron Heroes." And so um, that's when he came up with the idea. You know, and a lot of times when you meet someone like that, that throw out something like that, he said, "Well, I'll, I'll call you in about three weeks and I'll let you know." Well, you know, he called me back and he says, "We we got the idea. We want to do it. We wrap." for the movie, we want to do a concert. So, you know, what a blessing it was. That was our big, big fundraiser that kicked off really Gridiron Heroes, uh, you know, to put it out there. Because we, you know, at that time we got put on uh, all of those Hollywood, what is it, Access Hollywood, yeah. Entertainment Tonight, all those different types of shows. Our name was getting out there, you know, what we were, what we were doing and stuff. So uh, Man, it brought incredible. a lot of attention, yeah. What a, yeah, I mean, that's, like what a incredible you know connection to be able to make and and just like the fact that you you know you were able to connect with him and like all these things fell into place for you is incredible right after you know kind of starting the foundation so uh that's really cool so well, you know oh, go ahead. i always like to say that that you know it's it was it's a it's a god thing you know so many people so many things have happened over the years were for us that it just fell in place, you know, where uh, the good Lord put us in, in the right place at the right time to meet the right people at the right time and, and uh, you know, get us moving in the right direction. So, um, you know, uh, there were some things that happened even when Chris got hurt. There, there was a doctor in the stands that uh, did an evaluation because they had been talking about moving Chris off the, off the field. And uh, because the ambulance had left on a prior call, and so Chris was on that field for about 19 minutes and they were talking about moving him. And the doctor says, no, you're not moving him until the ambulance gets back. Uh, and then that the next Saturday, uh, when well, that Saturday when he was at the hospital, I'd read in the paper that the same thing had happened where they did move a young man in another state uh, where they did move that young man uh, to the sideline to continue the game and he didn't make it. So, you know, things just kind of fell in place that where that doctor hadn't been in the stands, you know, I don't know if Chris would be here, but, uh, you know, yeah, uh, good Lord works in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Thank God they, they didn't try to move you. That would have been pretty, pretty bad. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So were you, um, were you guys able to go to, did you uh, go to the set when they were filming the show Friday night lights at all? Or was that just kind of like once? Oh yeah. Were you, okay. No, no, no. Uh, we were there in Austin um, where they filmed it to work with the writers. And then um, almost whenever we wanted, like almost every weekend, we were 
go up to the set. I mean, this. Um, Every now and then we'd yeah. have a cameo appearance also, you know, yeah. we'd be there, you know, we'd be in the set somewhere so when they're filming something, you know, we'd have a so, little cameo. Yeah, we met all the actors and then uh, we would always, uh, NBC would let us do a, uh, a premiere. Uh, we would do a fundraiser and we would do a premiere of the first two uh, episodes. Um, so uh, we did big fundraiser with all the actors. The very last one we did, we had what, 20, 25. 25 actors. Right. All the act, almost yeah. all the main actors. All the, well, all the yeah. main actors and a lot of the you know um, ones that are, have been there on the show for over you know for a while yeah. and knew about Gridiron Heroes because we got to meet a lot of them. Uh, they all came to the to set. It was a, probably one of the biggest uh, uh, for us, I guess, premiere of a, of a show where you had so many actors from one show, you know, uh, there. Um, and then at, at that um, program, we actually donated a van to one of our great heroes. But in, in doing so that, you know, you know, of course we've donated 15 vans. So, you know, for them to see what it was all about, what we were doing and, and how it affected the lives of these young men, um, it really, it did really help. I mean, to, for them to understand what what it is that we do and what it's all about. So, you know, they you know, they've been very good to us. That that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, and you know, and I know that uh, speaking of that, we we talked a little bit before we started recording, but um, I know Scott Porter, who plays Jason Street, the the paralyzed young man in Friday Night Lights, just recently uh, tweeted out or on social media put out a post. Uh, of himself working out with with one of your gridiron heroes t-shirts on and said he had had the shirt for 15 years you know what, what it's is time that? To get him a new one. what's that <laughs> it's time to get him a new one i guess <laughs> yeah no doubt but uh, what you know what did that mean to you guys the way when you saw it when you see something like that or you know you hear from peter berg or or some of the actors from from the uh from the show that that's still you know reach out or at least post about your about your foundation and we do we have several you know several of the actors that still keep up with us brad leland and from time to time will you know say something and um you know we have uh what else uh stacy ornstano also does some stuff with yeah, us derek phillips and stacy ornstano yeah. um they both do a a, a friday night lights podcast um i'll send you the link um, yeah. but it's a kind of like a behind the scenes kind of look at the, they just bring up everything. Uh, they have a really good podcast. Uh, you need to check it out if you're a Friday night, Friday night lights fan. So, um, I'll send you that link. You can, uh, hook it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's awesome to have that, you know, that connection and for them to still, you know, want to be involved and, and promote Grand Heroes, especially like, you know, when, when they understand that there's more kids that have gone down, you know, of course, when I do stuff on Facebook, some of them are over there and they're, they're you know, they're watching what we're doing and, and, you know, they understand when another kid goes down what, what we have to go and do. So uh, they're still very supportive. We're, we're very appreciative of that. Now, that's incredible. Um, you guys, I have a great idea. We need to get Michael B. Jordan, who was on Friday Night Lights before he became the biggest star in <laughs> In the world, to, to we need to get him uh, him posting pictures of the Gridiron Heroes T-shirt. That would be I'm sure that would get you guys a few dollars uh, in donations. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, go ahead. Awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, you know, I know um, I appreciate you coming on. We're almost up to an hour already. I could probably talk to you guys for another hour. But, you know, um, before we go, where, um, you know, give, give us the links, like where people can connect with you guys, connect with the foundation to donate and all that stuff. Well, the, our website is uh, gridironheroes.org. Uh, we still, you know, we have a Facebook page, uh, Gridiron Heroes Spinal Cord Injury Foundation, or just Gridiron Heroes. Um, and then uh, we have a Twitter also with uh, Gridiron Heroes. Uh, so, you know, we're out there, uh, try to do what we can to, you know, put our name out there and try to, you know, create that awareness of what we do. So, um, yeah, you can connect with us on those that way. But if you want to go and donate, you can donate uh, at our website, gridironheroes.org. That's uh, the best way to, to donate. All right. And I'll, I'll tag, you know, your social media uh uh, accounts and all that uh, when I post the podcast and people can can reach out to you guys if they have any questions or uh... well there's another thing that you can do if you go to our website there's two little blue boxes one is uh, the HBO piece we were on HBO Real Sports right. and then the other one we were named a top 10 CNN hero uh, where Hall of Famer Kurt Warner helped tells our story uh, that's a pretty neat piece it's only about a seven minute clip uh, but they really do a good job uh, in telling our story. And, and Kurt Warner, you know, we got a chance to visit with him, came to the house and spent some time here at the house with us. And uh, it, was, it was really a good piece that they did for us there. Uh, that's amazing. I actually did watch that this morning. I know we had talked about it on the last one. So I was like, we're not sure how much of uh, how much I wanted to cover of the last episode in this one. So I was uh, trying to come up with some new material. But yeah, that, that, that's an incredible piece. Uh, both of those are and uh, yeah I, I just uh, I respect everything you guys are doing and, and I think you guys are, are incredible uh, in the foundation you know everything you're doing for these kids and their families is is yeah just incredible I, I can't uh, thank you enough and I'm sure everybody in the spinal cord injury community uh, feels the same way so uh, yeah so Eddie and Chris Canales thank you guys we will uh Hopefully we can make this a, a yearly thing where we connect, you know, right before the Super Bowl. And, and uh, who are you pulling for the Super Bowl? You know, I'm a, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I can't I can't root for the Rams. I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping uh, Joe Cool there, Joe Burrow can pull it off. Uh, so that I, don't to, I don't have to see uh, the Rams celebrating a Super Bowl. What about what about you guys? Who are you pulling for? Uh, by yeah. the Rams. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. I'm, I'm sure most people, yeah, they have, a, they have some good players on their team. Yeah. Cooper, Cooper Cup's from uh, Eastern Washington, so I'll, I'll take it if he does end up winning one. So, But all right, Eddie and Chris Cadell, thank you guys. I appreciate you so much, and uh, we'll, right. we'll talk again soon. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that was Eddie and Chris Canales. I, I want to thank those guys from the bottom of my heart for everything they do and and being willing to come back on the podcast, maybe we can put a little heat on the uh, the NFL for for not helping their cause. But you know, if you can donate to them, you know, please do. We everything everything that uh, they get, there it's going right back to these families. So um, I think, yeah, Brandon, they're uh, they're amazing guys. Yeah, I mean, you you just don't. Um, understand like when you're thinking about all the things that could potentially go into um, dealing with something of this nature you know with a spinal cord injury um, especially when they mention like primarily most of the the 
the majority of spinal cord injuries are um, high. Yeah, on the high level. Quadriplegics, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're you're dealing with a whole array of different items that someone would need. But not most, I mean, most importantly is the wheelchair, right? Which is the price of a really nice car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about a Tesla, basically, right? Yeah. And then when they talk, when he's talking about, oh, well, you know, people just don't stop growing, Right. And so, but then the insurance company says, ah, it needs to be five years, but you know, you could outgrow a wheelchair in two years. Easy. I never even thought about that for like kids that get injured. That's crazy that you can't, cause yeah, you outgrow. I mean, you know, like you have little kids, man, you can't buy them pairs of shoes to, no, nothing lasts. Yeah. You have to get them new pairs of shoes. And when you're talking about spending 60 or $70,000 on a wheelchair, it's not possible. No. No, not without the help of insurance. And if, yeah, if insurance is going to, you know, drag their feet on it. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, what do you do in that what situation? That's crazy. That's completely crazy. Um, you know, it's funny that we, that this was a topic for this week's show because um, I did just see on uh, an article about a young man named Cameron Clark who um, was a tackle from the New York Jets drafted in the 2020 draft in the fourth round out of the University of Charlotte. And he actually suffered a spinal cord injury, I guess, in training camp last year and didn't, you know, they thought he was going to maybe be able to rehab it and come back at some point, but they, I guess his doctors. So he made it, he made a recovery, right. but not enough to. Yeah. He had to get like carted <laughs> off the field and he was able to, to recover all of his movement and things. Dude, so. To me, it's just straight up crazy when a football player su- sustained a neck injury and comes back like Peyton Manning having like fused the neck. It just sounds to me like the dumbest thing in the world to fuck with. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, you've, I mean, you've probably made enough money. I, I could see like a young guy like this who, who hasn't had a chance to like make, yeah. make much money yet. Um, doing something like that, be like trying any, at any, any means necessary to come back. Didn't, but, um, yeah, man, didn't it's not Cliff Averill have a neck injury too. Yeah. And camp chancellor. Camp and, chancellor yeah. There's right. been a bunch. I mean, so yeah, I mean like they're just not willing to risk it, you know, and I, I don't blame them. No. No, especially in the guys like that, though, like I said, have made a bunch of money. So it's like, what's yeah. the point of, of risking it at that point? I mean, and, uh, you know, I definitely uh, feel for for Cameron here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to try to to reach out and see if he'd be willing to come on the show, talk about you know, the his experience, experiences yeah. and, We'd and, love what to hear he, that. And, and what he's dealing with. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's you now thank God he wasn't injured long term though. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I love to hear like, you know, when you're, when, when you and Chris and Eddie were talking about like, um, when you're watching a football game and somebody gets injured. Yeah. And you're just like, dude, just move something, bro. I like, know. that's all it's I so will scary. just, I just need to see you move something and I'll feel way better. Well, and we're like huge University of Washington fans, and I know um, a few weeks ago in, in like the, the last game of the regular season maybe, and Buda Baker, That's who's right. a former University of Washington player, local guy from up here in Washington Just State, something, uh, he man. got he got injured and like didn't he didn't move for like five minutes, and you you see him get carted off the field, and it's just like well, what's happening? You didn't yeah. see him like move his hands, anything, and then. 
apparently like once he got back by the ambulance he was able to get yeah i'm always on like twitter like refreshing man like somebody's telling me that he moved like that's all i need to know like what's happening yeah it's hard to it's hard to see that stuff man if you don't see somebody move so anytime we can see somebody make a recovery right hear about it well and i think about that now too that when when uh you know how eddie and chris were saying that that usually if it's a a high level like uh usually a football spinal cord football related spinal cord injury is a high level injury so if i see them moving their hands and like giving a thumbs up then you know it's probably just like a like being precaution you know they're doing a precaution there to strap them onto the onto the gurney or whatever and take them off the field as a put like instead of letting them get up and move around but and and just like chris they wanted to move chris off the field when he had first got injured and, and some doctor from the stands was like, no, you're not moving him. You're not, don't touch him basically. Well, you know, I coach youth football. Yeah. And, um, you know, we teach a lot of what they call the Hawk tackle, which is basically man kind of cool because it was invented by the Seahawks. Yeah. He talked, and he talked about that for a second. So that's a, actually Pete Carroll and those guys all invented this, like, and, you know, Richard Sherman and all those guys. I mean, Cam Chancellor's a different breed because he's really out there headhunting. Right. But, like, all those guys that are, like, littler um, that aren't really trying to, like, have huge impacts basically um, are taught – it's a it's a rugby-style tackle is what it is. Essentially, you're supposed to – we were always taught to go across the body, Jeremy. Do you remember that in football? Like, put your head across the, the body in front. Put your – put your hat – through the through the football right well it's different right. now we we're we teach them to to tackle on the back side of the body okay so don't put your head in front put it behind and you also hit instead of the hips and above like we were taught the chest to the hips right well, now we teach the knees to the hips so okay. you're keeping your head from impacting anywhere in, in here uh, that's the chest area and also the helmet right and then what you do is you basically wrap the legs and you drop and you roll. So you're, it's a very efficient way of tackling, and it's ideally better to keep the or it's I wouldn't say it's ideally better, but it's it helps keep the head out of the play. That's it's, yeah, that's really good. And so if I'm I would say if you're if you're in youth football, like hammer that we teach that a lot. Um, but what I was going to say is we had like an incident at practice where a kid got hurt and he was complaining about his back you know and all i could think was like don't move this kid's head dude do you know what i mean like i'm just like i got my hand on his helmet and i'm like nobody touch his head don't move him do you know what i mean until we figure out what's going on yeah i remember when i was coaching helping you coach youth football like a decade ago probably maybe a little more and uh we had a kid on like we practiced on the same field we were coaching fifth and sixth graders and there were seventh and eighth graders practicing on the other end of the field from us and you know we were our kids like fed into that team and i remember one of the kids on that team like got knocked unconscious or he he was at least was like seriously injured and they had to have the ambulance come out he was they weren't letting him move they stopped everything and i mean that was that really like hit me hard man that was that was crazy and they had to, the ambulance had to come out on the field and like take this kid away and i was just like yeah. i just remember that like that always sticks with me so yeah, it's scary man it's scary stuff but 
Really um, I really think, you know, the teaching the kids to to do things differently than we were taught is is important. And I know, like, oftentimes when we're watching football and they'll call, like, a penalty for what looks like a normal football play, people get upset. They're like, oh, they're taking this and that out of football. But it's like, it isn't really worth it, bro. Like, football is no. still fun to watch regardless of whether or not people are getting the shit knocked out of them. Right. Right? Like, well, and, and, and Eddie, th- Eddie talked about that. Remember how they used to have, like, in the concussion movies, you see, in that concussion movie with Will Smith, you see, like, I never ES- watched it, honestly. ESPN, they go back and they show, they used to have a segment on, like, the, the, the post-game show. Like, you got jacked, and yeah. it was, like, just showing people just getting leveled man and like then and, and they're celebrating that and like giving like the big hit award and all yeah. that stuff it's the, and it's, it's just really like not that's not it. what it's like it's just that's not what it is anymore it's and like, then like you know they're they're complaining about um the pro bowl yesterday being not competitive right and i'm thinking to myself like i would be okay with them just doing away with that i wouldn't actually care yeah but yeah just do the skills competition like football is, is so like violent and it's such a strain on your body i don't understand like why people care that these guys are out there like and don't want to get injured because it could potentially be the end of their life the end of their career or potentially like a an injury that that they have to deal with for the rest of their life so i mean it's just crazy how we don't really think about other people in this in this country man or maybe i I don't know maybe that's just the way humans are in general yeah well you know it was uh yeah it it is what it is man we gotta yeah we gotta think about about the way we look at football i think and uh and just kind of yeah appreciate it for what it is but you know also recognize that it's a violent it is violent sport that you have to be very careful with so yeah, so we don't, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't want more of that. We should just want the it to be safe. Yeah, and like exactly. it still serves the same purpose. Like people still get run over, right? Right. People are still like making crazy plays. Yeah. Crazy catches, dope runs, like yeah. good tackles. Yeah. Right. So you just gotta appreciate the <clears throat> athleticism, and yeah, don't don't say we're you know like everybody's like, oh, it's you know they're being sissies or they're being you know it's the the game is, is yeah i think uh, basically like what happened was is like dudes ended up being like i don't really want to injure my fellow like right nfl like colleagues and maybe potentially ruin their career yeah because this is this is such a short-lived career anyway this is like you might only have one or two three seasons to make a good chunk of change yeah so yeah well, yeah, again, I, I appreciate Chris and, and Eddie coming on and uh, being willing to, to talk about their story and, and, you know, NFL do better. That's all I got That's to what say. we're trying to say. So, yeah, please listen, like, rate, review, share this podcast. We appreciate everybody's support and, uh, and listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with Ricardo in tow. And, uh, better be. He better be here, man. This guy's slacking, I man. I know. Thank Trying to do Zoom calls all the time. He's mailing it in. See, do you want this? Do you want... No. (laughs) Anyway, talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.